Good morning and welcome to Recipe for Success. My name is Nancy Giacalone and we are back after our Q4 hiatus. For those of you that know me, um, I work in the employee benefits industry, individual and Medicare, and this is our Super Bowl of the year. During uh, October and November, we work um, incredibly long hours, incredibly hard to take care of all of our clients. And it, mean, it meant that I had to make some decisions, which one of those was putting um, Recipe for Success on a hiatus. But we are back today, and I'm so excited to have Quincy Fox with us as our first guest. The whole premise behind Recipe for Success is that I love to cook and bake, and I noticed that as I was doing that, that every recipe had one thing in common. There was one key ingredient or technique that was really critical to the outcome of that dish. And I also started to notice that that's very true in life and business as well. So for the last few months, I have been really focusing on women doing great things in the workplace, in life in general. And so, like I say, Quincy and I have been talking for a while. We were finally able to um, coordinate our calendars. And um, so she is our first guest back from hiatus. I'd like to introduce her and let her introduce herself to you. So Quincy, why don't you introduce yourself and tell our audience a little bit about your background? Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. And I'm honored to be the first guest back after this hiatus. Uh, so uh, my name is Quincy Fox. Um, I live in Southern California with my husband. Uh, I have a one-year-old daughter um, and we have two pups. Uh, so the five of us and just a little bit about me, I'm actually born and raised in Southern California, but my husband and I lived in upstate New York for about eight years, and that's where we met. Uh, that's where we uh, became Christians, so that's a really important part in our just personal life, spiritually, and that's where we started uh, in business together. It's where we started working um, with our company in financial services. So we've been in business. Um, my husband and I actually have different backgrounds. I went to school for psychology. He went to school in, for pre-med and has a background working in medical sales. So we have a little bit of a funny background and now we run a financial services business together. Um, so, and then we, we recently made the move out uh, to California. So uh, we are, we're here now, um, but that's kind of where our, where our story began uh, was about, was about eight years ago. So a little, little bit about me. So that's very interesting because um, I, we always joke about that nobody ever grew up thinking they wanted to be an insurance agent. Um, like it's it's never really on somebody's career path. But a lot of us, when once we find ourselves in the industry, we really love what we do. So I'm really curious how you went from psychology and pre-med to financial services. Yeah. Yes. We get that question all the time. Like, how the heck did you end up here? And and like you said, we love what we do. So it's not like we're I don't believe I'm here on accident. Um, but I got here through a job internship program. The school that I went to is a university uh, called Rochester Institute of Technology, RIT. And RIT has a really great internship co-op program. They're connecting students with their employers. And I found Primerica, which is our company, Primerica Financial Services, through a job internship program. Um, this was in early 2014, through a job fair. And I started, and I didn't have any interest in financial services. Like I shared with you, my degree was in psychology. I wanted to go into a field like teaching or coaching or, or ministry, nonprofit work, helping people in some way. 
And that is absolutely what I'm doing. It's just a little bit different than what I would have imagined. And I, I started here through the co-op program to get college internship credit, and I just fell in love with it. And once we started, you know, doing well for ourselves, realizing there was a huge impact, my husband, you know, realized that he didn't want to be on call on Christmas. <laughs> we were sick of being have, having him on call and yeah. not having that freedom over our over our time um, because he had a job where he would travel internationally and they'd give him a call and Nancy, he'd have to be on he'd have to be on a plane to Asia in 36 hours. And that was that. like we didn't have control over that. So. Well, he was passionate about the medical field. He loves working um, with surgeons and doctors. Um, that was just always where his passion logistically for our family and what was most important. It just it was too it was too much of a sacrifice we, that we just weren't willing to make. So he started working with me and and uh, and thank God for that. So, yeah, a little, bit, a little bit funny how we got here, but we wouldn't. God willing, we'll never yep. do anything else. I love it. So. Um, Obviously, in the industry I'm in, I'm approached by financial professionals all the time that, you know, yeah. want to want me to introduce them to my clients. And, and I know a lot of them. And I know a lot of really quality ones. And I know some not so quality ones. But <laughs> yeah. one of the reasons that I was super interested in talking to you was that you do a great job from the financial perspective, but you seem to be more about to be about more than just building a portfolio. You're really committed to promoting financial literacy and helping people, which you brought up. So I'd like to know a little bit more about your why that drives that. Well, thank you. I That's, that's a nice compliment. I don't take that lightly. And um, honestly, when I first started, I, I shared with you that, you know, uh, okay, I started here as a job internship and I just fell in love with it. Well, what happened in between what made me fall in love with it was kind of what you were talking about is seeing what is going on in the industry and how many people, how many families get taken advantage of, you know, people that um, are sold products that are not in their best interest, people that are just completely ignored altogether because they don't have enough money. I mean, just, I just saw a lot of, in my opinion, injustice that was happening. And I so saw much. that and I realized that, um, again, no one's perfect, right? But I realized that, you know, if this is an industry that kind of I was complaining about that, hey, there's a lot of people that don't have financial literacy or people that don't do what's right. Well, I, I need to be the change that I want to see. You know, maybe God has me here for a reason to be a light in an industry that, you know, can be kind of dark sometimes. And people can be, you know, money is a big stressor for most families. We always say money isn't everything. But worrying about money, stress about money affects everything. So 100%. That, that for me, I mean, that was kind of what got me here. You asked my why. That's what got me here is seeing the need, not just, you know, in our communities, even within my own family, within people I care about, close family, friends, seeing that people that were totally taken advantage of that are sharp people. One of my first uh, clients that I was really able to make an impact in, the husband had an economics degree and they didn't know, you know, what was being sold to them. So I just saw a big need for being able to make a large impact. Um, and my mission is to serve God and to serve people. And doing what I do is not the only way to do that, of course. But for me and for our family, you know, this is just where he had us, has us. Well, I agree with that because we're all given our strengths and, um, and we, it is our responsibility, our duty to use them 
to serve others and to serve God, quite frankly. But you brought up an important point um, that I wanted to touch on. So I spent many years extremely active in the junior achievement program. I worked with kids all the way from kindergarten through seniors in high school. And where I really found what the, the, the group I loved working with most were the seniors. But what mm-hmm. was shocking to me is that they have zero education about money. Mm-hmm. E- even, even in the economics program where they're talking about high, you know, high economics, they're still not learning the basics. And so that is something that is very shocking to me. And I know it's one of your passions as far as, again, helping teach the fundamentals and financial literacy at the educational level in the schools. So tell me more about what you're doing around that. Yeah, and I'm glad you asked. You're so right. It is not taught in schools. And if it is, sometimes when we do, do, do workshops, I'll ask people, raise your hand if you've ever taken just one financial education course, just one, you know, even if it was just a few hours long. And usually I'll have about less than 10%, usually in a room of 20 people, maybe one, maybe two have done something like that. And it's almost never through their school. It's usually through a church or a program their parents signed them up for. So I really do believe that it has to start in the home. You know, we're responsible for our children, of course, and, and making this a topic that's not taboo, but that we could talk about at home openly and then, of course, our school system, uh, I, you know, I could I could complain for a while about, you know, how this isn't taught. But at the end of the day, we just we have to, again, be that change we want to see. So what we work on is we provide financial literacy, you know, free resources, of course, financial literacy and financial education resources. And we try to partner up with as many, um, you know, schools, universities as we can. And to be honest, I would love to do more work in high schools, Um, being transparent. That's not something I've done a lot of. We've always kind of ran into a lot of red tape with students being minors. Um, So we've done a lot with teachers, with faculty, with staff. And I've been able we've been able to have a lot of impact in universities, which I'm really thankful for. Um, But between you and I, I would love to get more involved in high school because before they go on and make a you know, six figure decision to get student loan debt. We need this information as early as possible. So we've done a little bit with high schools, but to be honest, most of the impact that we've had up until this point have been with young college students. Um, Just because we've just had a little bit, we've found that college and universities are more open to hearing about financial literacies. We get a lot of resistance with the high schools because of the public system. So that's something we're working to change. We'll talk offline. I have some ideas for you of how you can how you can get in there because I do think it's super important. And again, Callie says it's so needed in schools. Um, kids need to know how money works. I mean, bottom line, they need to know how money works, how debt works, how they pay it back. And and I think as a society, we're very out of touch with money. Um, and so I think that if, and the more you can do at the earlier age, the bigger impact that you're going to have. But, um, so again, I just love talking to you. I love your passion. Um, and again, it was the, one of the things that it was attracted to me, attracted me to you. Can I spit that out? Obviously I'm a little (laughs) rusty guys. Um, is really your passion for doing good really shines through everything that you do and say and write. I mean, it really comes through. But I know that in addition to financial literacy, you also are passionate about 
um, animal rescue and clean water and other things. So tell me a little bit more about some of your additional passions. Oh, oh, so this is good. So Callie says she can be a resource for you too, because it's so important. And then I got an amen to that as far as financial literacy. So, so it is, we're, we're definitely seeing that this is an important topic, but let's, let's talk for a minute about some of the side topics. Uh, again, clean water and, and animal rescue, because both of those are near and dear to my heart as well. Yes. Yes. So those two causes in particular, um, my husband jokes that I'm passionate about everything. And that's why God put me in financial services is because I'm able to talk about everything with my clients, you know, what they're passionate about goals. But he jokes that I'm, I really am like, I, I want to do it all. I want to, and we all do, right. We all want to have as much impact as possible, but we can't, we're finite. We're limited to, to one place at one time. So there's a few causes that are just near and dear to our family. Um, and those are two that are, that are really special. So the clean water is something that we've been involved with for a long time. And there's a lot of organizations that do an unbelievable job. And Nancy, you don't mind me sharing. No, exactly. not at all, please. Oh, somebody um, says, so, good, good to see you, Quincy. Okay. Daya, wonderful to see you too. Uh, Got a Daya, fan there. Friends, and we spent some time together this morning. Um, but there are a lot of amazing clean water resources out there. So this is just one of them. One organization that we've been um, really active and involved with for many years is an organization called Compassion International. And for someone who is uh, wanting to get involved, not knowing where to start, they're an unbelievable organization because they don't just have one cause. They impact everything from education to empowering young women to helping. Um, their mission is helping children in poverty. That's their heart. But through helping children in poverty, they hit on all these unbelievable needs, one of which, of course, being clean water. And I got just to just to kind of share why why I'm so passionate about this. I actually got something in the mail from a different organization, but who's doing the same thing. I got something in the mail a few weeks ago and it was an envelope talking about why, you know, we should contribute to clean water and how most families in their lifetime will never see. And it was this little packet and gosh, I'm probably one ounce of water, maybe even like a, a quarter of an ounce. I mean, just a tiny little few drops of water in this clear packet. And I was wondering why they sent it. And they said, this is clean water. You and I have this out of our faucets. We have an unlimited amount, but most people in the world will never see this much clean water in their lifetime. And a few children, every few seconds dies because of something that was treatable by clean water. So for me, you know, there's so many incredible causes out there, but my husband and I always say that's such an easy one. And of course, nothing's easy, but you know what I mean, Nancy? Like I do, just, I do. Yep. Man, if, if we just, you know, not to sound like a, you know, if we all just, you know, but seriously, like that's just something that we can all have an impact in and, and, and kids and families die because they don't have clean water and diseases. And it's just something you and I take for granted. Every time I get into a hot shower, I just say, thank you, Lord. You know, uh, it's not something I want to take for granted. So that's just, that's just something that everybody needs. It's not a choice. Um, it's, we need water. And so that's just something that we feel really strongly about if we can make an impact. So compassion does something where you can, um, you can purchase or donate to a cause that provides water wells, not just for one family, but for a whole community. Yeah. And it's unbelievable. Like the impact that 50 to a hundred bucks of our money can 
can provide millions of gallons of water. So that's something that, that we feel strongly about is like, you know, something that's maybe not a huge financial impact for you and I can, again, without sounding cliche, but can, can literally change the lives in a whole community. I just think that it's a responsibility of ours. I agree with you. I think it's, um, I think it's a, a fantastic cause and, and something I've been involved with over the years as well, not to probably the same extent that you have, but I think it's a good reminder to get outside of ourselves as well and to yeah. look at things that we take for granted, even at the lowest economic levels in our country, clean water yeah. is not for the most part an issue that we have. Exactly. And so it's, it's really, it, it is, it is really amazing. Okay. So now we have to move on to animal rescue because everyone knows I'm a big, I'm a big softy for my pets. So tell yes. me about that. Um, so yes. And, and you'll have to, you know, cut me off because these are some of the topics fancy that no, I, know it's good. I, I want to hear about it. I love, I there's, I love talking about this, um, but yeah. So this is, to be honest, out of all the causes we're in, this is one that we're not um, as um, active in right now in our community. But this is something that um, we do give. Uh, we do give. We don't give as much time to, but we do give resources to just because we believe in it. And same with the water. A little bit can go such a long way. Sure. Uh, probably my favorite way uh, to make an impact with rescuing animals is one, awareness um, you know, um, I, and I don't mean to be controversial when I say this, but we're really against, you know, breeding, buying breeded animals, breeded dogs, just not because necessarily the people that are breeding are evil, but because there's just so many animals that are in shelters that need homes. And so many of those animals, because there's not enough people that are adopting them, are, are put down every year. You know, so that's something that we try to do is, you know, in a non-judgmental way, because I know a lot of friends that have rescued animals or excuse me, adopted animals from from the mall and from a friend of a friend who was breeding a puppy because it was cute. Again, their intentions weren't bad at all. So we never want to make anyone feel bad. But it's just raising that awareness that, hey, if you if you want to, to get an animal, if you want to maybe adopt a dog, please rescue it. You know, go to a local shelter, go to a local nonprofit organization. Um, because there's just so many animals. There's so many animals that need homes. And and if you and I don't take them home, they're not going to yeah. have a home. So we yeah. have two little rescue dogs. Uh, Odie um, is four year old, four years old. We rescued him when he was six weeks old from a um, from a nonprofit organization in Rochester, New York, that rescues dogs from bad backyard breeders. So from basically breeders who are who do have bad intentions, who are sure. just trying to breed as many dogs at a time to make as much money as possible, but they're in really horrible situations. Um, you know, like our, our poor Odie had fleas and ticks and, you know, yeah. worms. And, you know, he just was in a really awful situation. We rescued him when he was young and we joke, he knows no other life. He's our diva. He does not remember that situation because he's <laughs> a diva. Um, and then our dog Nashville is a little different. Nashville we adopted um, from Tennessee. That's how we named him. And we also got him when we were living in New York, but he was rescued from a kill shelter in Tennessee. So thank God for this organization in Rochester called One Love that rescued rescues animals from other states that have a lot of kill shelters. And unfortunately, that is what it sounds. They do have to yeah. kill animals because they don't have enough people adopting them. And this amazing organization in Rochester rescued 
this basically bunch of dogs who were going to be put down and they rescued them from Tennessee to New York. Thank God we, that God led us to our Nashville. I told my husband, I swear we're not going to bring a dog home today. I swear we're not going to bring a dog home today. And, uh, and we met our Nashville and we just couldn't. So he was, he was three years old and, um, and now he's five. Um, and he's just amazing, but he was from a really abusive background, neglected, abused, uh, we think there was more than five dogs and more than five children in that house. And we uh -huh. think there was just like one bowl of food that was put down per day and they had to fight for it. So he was really aggressive with food, but his heart was so good, but he was just really had some major anxiety issues. Um, and we had to work on that, you know, and yeah. if you're willing to work through it, just like people, right? Yep. Some dogs have their baggage too, you know, thank God someone's willing to love you and I. So we have to love these animals too, because they've got some baggage too. Um, so that's something we're passionate about too, is adopt some older dogs, not just the puppies and, uh, and they need homes too. And now our dog is, he's not anxious at all. And he, we joke, he's our California boy. He's very happy. We moved to California because he just bathes. He just lays in the sun all day and, and we just love our dogs. They're, our, they're part of our family. They really Absolutely. are. And our daughter loves them. Our daughter, that was some of her first words was our dog's names. Oh, that's so cute. That's so cute. Okay. So now, so now I've got you, I've got you all warmed up. So now we're going to transition to um, a personal subject and let's talk about faith because you're very, you're very open about that and you have, been clear about that you feel that faith doesn't is kind of been banished from the workplace like it's not okay and how do we be faithful to our standards our faith um our beliefs and you also are going to be starting a podcast soon on that topic as well so let's talk about yes. a little bit about how you how you bring that into the workplace because it is can be a very controversial topic it can be. And, you know, and I'm glad that you brought it up because it can be controversial. It can be, it is really taboo to talk about, but um, for, for you and I, we just have to make choices that, that we really believe are, are in our best interests in the best interests of everyone around us. And, and for me, you know, I'm a born again Christian. And what I mean by that is, you know, is I'm not perfect. <laughs> you know, introduce me if you know someone who is, I don't know anybody that's not a sinner. That's not perfect. Um, there's a difference between being nice and being perfect. And there's a lot of nice people, but there's no perfect people. And, you know, and and Jesus is the only perfect person that's ever walked the earth in my belief. And, and thank God that he he lived that life that I definitely can't live. He died, uh, even though he didn't deserve it. And uh, and he died for me and for you and for everybody, um, you know, so that we can, you know, have eternal life. We can have peace in him that surpasses all understanding and, and relationship with him. So for me, because that, because he did that for me, that's the core of who I am, you know, and we all find our identity in something, you know, even friends that I have, I have a lot of friends that are atheists, agnostic, different beliefs, different lifestyles. And I talk to them about it. And I, I and I tease them that we all worship something, you know, maybe it's money, maybe it's success, maybe it's what people think of us, maybe it's even even family, marriage, sure. good things that, again, are good God-given gifts, but we worship it. You know, it's ultimate. And, and if you want to know if you worship something, think, take it away. If, if this was taken away, would you still 
you know, would you have reason to live? For a lot of people, they say, man, if I didn't have my family, I'd have nothing. That's that would that's it. Well, that might potentially be something that we worship a little bit, you know, and and uh, we don't love our family too much. We just love God too little. Right. So for for me, because of that, Nancy, because that's the core of who I am, that's again, we all worship something. I choose to worship uh, the true and living God. And for me, that, of course, it can't worship God and not have that spill into the rest of my life. Right. You know what I mean? Like if I said, hey, I'm passionate about health and fitness, but I never work out. I don't eat well. You know, you can tell by looking at me. Well, you know, you don't know what's in my heart, but you can kind of tell by my outside, by what I talk about, by my actions. You can tell what's important, you know, and and if you know, if I spend 15 hours a week watching sports, you can tell that sports are an important part of my life, you know, because, you know, where our where our heart is, our treasure will be also. So I believe that if faith like it is for me, if 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 Jesus, if God is is an important or the most important, hopefully part of your life and you never, you know, then it's you should talk about him. You know, and, and yeah. again, you don't do it in a way where you're disrespectful or you're pushy or you're making someone feel uncomfortable. And, um, you know, my pastor always says that you know, none of us are righteous. None of us are, you know, know it all. We're one beggar leading another beggar to the bread. So we're not doing it in a way that's self-righteous or judgmental. But that's also not an excuse not to share our faith. We're called to go out and share our share the good news and make disciples of all the nations. And um, I'm not a pastor, I'm a financial advisor, but he put me here. So whenever we have an opportunity for, for a divine appointment or sharing the good news, we we wanna do that. And I think that if you share my faith, that's something we're all called to do, no matter what our job is, no matter who you interact with on a daily uh, basis. Um, and that's just, that's just our outlook. And I'll be honest, that's been a recent outlook. I used to not share my faith at work. I just kept everything really separate. We kept Jesus in a box. And the past year and a half, two years, God's just really revealed a lot to us and changed a lot in our life. And I just feel like it's, I can't, I can't stay quiet anymore. You know. Well, you share it in a beautiful and non-judgmental way. And I think that that is the key to doing it gracefully um, mm-hmm. because not everyone does. And so uh, really, really big kudos to you on, on how you are bringing that to the forefront. I love it. It's a beautiful, it's a, a beautiful sentiment and you share it in, like I say, a very kind, meaningful and respectful way. Thank so. you. Thank you. And yeah, not, not perfect. Glory to God. But yes, it's if, if we want to reach people, um, then we have to be known for what we're for and right. not always what we're against. Yeah, you know, so perfect. if you're always picketing with a sign, well, good luck yeah. <laughs> winning a lot of people to your side, right? You, you know, Jesus, you know, he loved everybody. He ate with the tax collectors, the sinners. And I got news for you. We're all sinners. So, yeah. you know, none of us are too good for, for anybody else. And uh, and God saved me. I didn't save anybody. So, uh, you know, and I can't save anybody, but I can share, you know, and I think that that is one other thing that just I'll share real quick is. We can't, we can just share our story. You know, we can share how God's changed my life, my heart, my marriage, my daughter. I mean, oh my gosh, my my daughter's only one and she puts her hands together. I mean, it's like, it just fills up my heart that God's already working in her heart as a one-year-old 
And yeah. you can only share what's true. You know, you can only share, you know, what you know. So I think that if everyone kind of just shared what God has done in their own heart and their own life, I think more people would come to faith and, 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 and know Christ. But we share rules. We share, not that there's not a place in time for that. But again, I think that when you first meet someone, they should know more what you're for, which is the love of Christ than what you're against. Yeah, I love it. That's wonderful. Okay, so now we're going to circle back to the business part and before we move yeah. on to the five burning questions. So as a financial advisor, a professional, whatever we should call you, yes. if you could give one piece of advice to everybody as far as to improve their, let's just call it their financial literacy, what would it be? So I would say I'm going to cheat a little bit on a really simple simple front, live below your means. That would solve nine for the people I see 90% of those people, all their financial issues would be solved if they just live below their means, which starts by knowing where your money goes, knowing what you spend. Uh, so simply live below your means, right? It's biblical. God says for us to do that, be good stewards of our money. A little bit more advanced, um, if you're like, yeah, yeah, I know that is have your three fundamental accounts in order. And this is something I talk about a lot. If that's not a term you're familiar with, what I mean is you have your short-term accounts, your mid-term accounts, your long-term accounts. The product might be a little bit different for every person, but you should have short-term emergency funds set up. You should have mid-term goals and dreams accounts. For example, Nancy, maybe you're saving for, you know, I'm sure, you know, you own your house, but saving for a house or traveling or for your children. Sure. And then your long-term accounts is usually your retirement accounts, more wealth building accounts. Most people I meet with don't have any of those, or they'll just have a small short-term and a small long-term. And when life happens and emergencies or crises happen, everything gets drained at once because they didn't have those accounts protecting their assets. So again, those are just perfect tips I give. I love it. I love it. That's perfect. Okay. So are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So the five burning questions that are posed to every guest yes. always start with, what is your absolute favorite food in the world and can you cook it? Yes. So I will have to go with popcorn. <laughs> A girl after my own heart. <laughs> Now, granted, there's lots of savory, good food that I love, but this is a food I could eat every day and I pretty much do for the rest of my life and never get sick of. And yes, I make some mean popcorn. I cook it on the stove in coconut oil and I spray mm. with sea salt, avocado oil. Man, I mean, I know that I'm not being humble here, but yeah, it's it's pretty darn good. <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. Okay. So what's the one character trait that you admire most in other people and why? So I would say that would be someone who is a good sort of their time. That's probably the trait I admire the most. Someone who manages their time um, in a way that, again, honors God, honors their family, um, their business, if they have one. Um, that's that's our most valuable earthly resource is our time. Yeah. We can always make more money. We cannot make more time. That's it doesn't very you know. So that is such a valuable um, it's such a valuable resource that we just can't get back. And for how valuable it is, a lot of us squander it and we don't really respect it. So, and again, I'm one of those people, you know, where I, I'm working very hard to get better at this. There's a book I'm reading right now called Redeeming Your Time. 
that's been, I'm almost done with it. It just came out in October. It's a brand new book. And it's, that's been life-changing reading that nice. book and that perspective on, on how to manage our time. So I'd say that's the trait that I would respect the most in others, since that's a weakness of mine that I'm, that I'm really working at to be better. Okay. So if I were to flip the mirror on you, what's the character trait that you're most proud of in yourself and why? Um, I would probably say, um, I think that I'm a good mom. I think that I'm a good mom to my baby girl. I'm, I'm not perfect, but I'm, I, I'm proud of, I'm proud of her. I'm proud of us and our relationship. I love it. That's a wonderful yeah. character. All right. So now we're just going to take a little random one and I'm going to say, if you were an animal, who would you be <laughs> and why? We have a little inside joke in, in my family that is, is, um, that I'm kind of like a bear. <laughs> so um, I, I'm going to say, I know it's kind of random, but I'm going to say a, a grizzly bear. They're great mamas. They got their bait. They got their, they're literally a mama bear. They're, they're known to be the most protective and you know, all the fun things. They eat a lot of food. They sleep for a few months. I mean, who doesn't want to be a bear? Right. I mean, I know that I just told you, I want to be a good discipline of my time. You're like, are you sure you want to hibernate for four months? But in the hypothetical world, yeah, I think yeah. that sounds fun. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. So what's your secret talent or something people would be surprised to learn about you? Gosh, I am, um, I would say birthdays and I am, I'm pretty good at remembering everyone's birthday. If, if, if you tell me your birthday, and again, right when I say this, someone's going to be like, hey, you don't know, you didn't remember my birthday last year. But for the most part, if someone just tells me their birthday one time, I'll remember it for like for forever. I'm That's I just good. I don't know what it is about birthdays, dates, anniversaries. I I it's like my husband says it's just my love language, giving gifts, remembering dates. So I can't remember anything to take a test to save my life. <laughs> but I can remember your birthday. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Okay. So last question. So who's somebody that you've either connected with on LinkedIn, maybe a podcast host that you follow that you would most like to meet in real life, sit down, have a cup of coffee and have a good conversation with? Who? Um, oh man, I forgot to think about this one. I would say, oh, I'm thinking of, there's two people that come to mind. Um, Daya, who actually was just listening in, I'm not sure if he's listening in. Uh, he actually lives in Trinidad. Uh, I would, I'd love to meet up with him. Um, can I cheat and give one more name? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, also, Laura Sorensen, who's in, um, who's in Rhode Island. Her and I have gotten to be pretty good friends, and we met over LinkedIn just a few months ago. Um, and she's just wonderful. We have a, a lot in common, and she's just. I think her and I, if we had drinks together, coffee together, I think that we'd have a lot of fun. So, uh, and that's something that hopefully God willing, we'll get to do someday, but she lives, awesome. she lives in new England and I'm on the West coast. So those are, yep. those are the, the two I cheated. Oh, that's, that's okay. I've um, been very blessed over this last year to meet in person. A lot of people that I'd only met over yeah. LinkedIn, you know, the prior year. And, and it was, it was so interesting because there was no awkwardness. It was like, you already knew that person pretty well. Yes. Oh, hey, so Dio is still what? He was still listening. She said, he would love that. <laughs> so amazing. Well, I just want to really thank you for your time. I want to thank you for sharing your passions and your insights. It's been um, a wonderful, it's been wonderful to have you on. And if people want to know more about what you do and want to get in contact with you, what would be the best way to do that? Honestly, LinkedIn. Okay. You know, LinkedIn is the best way. That's the, we are going to be uh, launching a podcast, but um, called For His Glory. But 
Uh, that'll be after the new year. So as of now, uh, a lot of that is going to be streamlined through LinkedIn. So a LinkedIn message um, or yeah, a, a DM would be would be best. We check it every day and we, like you, have built um, a lot of amazing relationships through LinkedIn. And, and I'm thankful for that because you and I wouldn't know each other. Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you again for coming on and I'll see everybody again next week. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you.